Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast with your host, Kat Robinson. You're listening to Radio Vet Nurse, but not as you know it. In this bonus podcast mashup episode, I had the pleasure of catching up with my veterinary podcast buddies. We decided to come together to say happy Vet Nurse Day, happy Vet Tech Week, and to check in with each other on vet life in the global pandemic. And spoiler alert, vet life during COVID-19 has been crazy busy everywhere. If you listened to our last group episode, you'll know my veterinary podcast friends, Yvonne and Jordan from Internal Medicine for Vet Techs, Jeff and Dave from the Vet Tech Cafe, Tasha from Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds, and Dr. Lewis and Dr. Robbie from Two Vets Talk Pets. Make sure you check out their shows too. I'll put links in the show notes and on social media. To my fellow Aussie listeners, happy Vet Nurse Day. To all of you in the States, happy Veterinary Technician Week. And to vet nurses, vet techs, veterinary assistants and students everywhere, I hope you're managing okay during these crazy, crazy times. Hey, everybody. Welcome to, well, a lot of podcasts, actually. Uh, This is our follow-up sort of episode. We did one with COVID. Now we're doing one kind of as a COVID update, but also uh, celebrating Vet Tech Appreciation Week. Um, I am Yvonne Brandenburg and uh, Jordan Porter and I, we are part of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. And then we also have, let's see, <laughs> let's go to the next one. Dave, you're next to me. So uh, Dave, you, you, you can go now. <laughs> we are, part, me, me and Jeff are part of the Vet Tech Cafe. Our, our, our podcast is posting every other Sunday, sometimes a little bit extra. Uh, when we have our vet tech tap room, that's where we we kind of let loose, and it's just he and I chatting. But we're we're happy to be here and happy to give this update to everybody. Uh, I will say, Lewis, you're you're under Dave in my picture on on my Zoom screen, so you're next. <laughs> so yeah, my name is uh, Dr. Lewis Kirkham. I do a podcast with uh, my colleague Dr. Robbie Anderson G'day. called uh, Two Vets Talk Pets. And we're coming all the way from Melbourne, Australia, enduring the supposedly one of the longest lockdowns of COVID that's in known to mankind. May or not be true. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Um, and then uh, I've got Kat next on my screen. I'm Kat Robinson and I have a podcast called Radio Vet Nurse. It's usually just me flying solo with a guest released every month. And I've had the pleasure of interviewing a couple of the other podcasters um, in this group today. And it's, yeah, it's nice to be in a, a group setting. I'm in far North Queensland. So I feel really bad um, for Lewis and Robbie down in <laughs> Melbourne because um, we've not been locked down and it has been hot and sunny. So I've been trying to keep that off of social media for my friends down south. Nice. Appreciate it. That's right. Did I see you down at the St Kilda Beach um, at all those rays with all the other uh, the young people down there on Friday night? You know, you're sort of you know, as, you know, just throwing in the face of uh, all the lockdown rules we have here in Melbourne. Were you out there in the in the fluorescent shirts and stuff? Well, it's amazing for um uh, like uh, for the, our American listeners. Is yeah, certainly St Kilda Beach is a big might be a known area backpack area in Melbourne. I don't know if you guys have heard of it all, but. 
down there now we're allowed to have picnics and there are, but you're only allowed to have, you know, you've got to be a meter and a half from other people having picnics. So all over the, the grass areas, massive grass area, there are big 1.5 meter circles for everyone to sit and, and have picnics. Oh, no. And it's, it's like someone took a drone shot and it's like crop circles and with all these people just sitting <laughs> in their little you know, individual nice. thing. It's amazing. Unbelievable. Amazing. All right. Well, be, before we keep up, cause because we're, we're all talkers, obviously, we have podcasts. Um, <laughs> last but definitely not least is Tasha. Miss Tasha. Hey, guys. What's going on? I'm Tasha McNerney, and I host the Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds podcast, which is a case-based podcast where we talk about how you treat certain um, disease processes, and how you would do anesthesia safely on a various different things. Um, I would love to tell you exactly when we drop our podcast every week, but with a crazy work schedule and homeschooling a third grader, I have no agenda and I don't know. It just kind of comes out whenever. So just for us, whenever. Oh, no. Hashtag uh, mom life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, uh, so we're all on Zoom, obviously, um, for multiple reasons. First being, we're all in very different places in the world, but also because of COVID, um, so yeah, shout out to the moms in this group. I think, uh, I think Jordan, Tasha and Kat, you guys are all mm-hmm. moms mm-hmm. dealing with mm-hmm. trying to be teachers. How yeah, about the dads? Fun. Are the dads also <laughs> teaching right now? Uh, yeah, I am. I've got, t- I've got two at home. One goes back to school, not this week, next week. Um, but yeah, homeschooling two teenage daughters is fun with, uh, all the attractions that screens provide when you lock yourself in your bedroom. Yeah. It's not, not, not easy. Well, not to mention, like I have a nine-year-old daughter and the attitude I get now, <laughs> let alone when they're teenagers, like I can't imagine. Like, Yeah. I just worry. It's a whole generation raised by potentially um, alcoholic teachers. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Me yesterday, I think, I don't know. It was probably like 10 a.m. And I was like, we'd only been working for like an hour. We got a late start. So I was like, let's do donuts for breakfast. I was trying to be a cool mom. And then we got like an hour in and I was like, all right, I'm done. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm over it. Like we're done for the day. And I was like, it's just last dismissed it. guys. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> my daughter was like, see, my daughter is like the good child. Cause she was like, no, I'm going to go ahead and finish. And my son was like, nope, cool. Can I have your phone? I was like, okay. <laughs> I don't know how you guys are dealing with it. Um, I I feel like I am very fortunate that I do not have kids. It uh, reconfirms the reason I don't want to have kids because, oh my God, it's so much work. I hear from, well, I hear poor Jordan's struggles as well as some of my other friends. And I I don't know how you guys are surviving that. Plus, I think everybody's still working full time, right? Everybody's back in clinic. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Working full time, yeah. side business, teacher, mom, <laughs> right? Oh, all, yeah. all the various hats. Yeah, absolutely. My, the side gigs to make sure I don't have to pay for my kids to go places for school. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. The so, uh, system. Yeah, That's I was to say. I think this is probably the thing that has probably affected all of us the most during all this. Because I, I remember when we were talking the last time about COVID, it was businesses are going to shut down. We're laying off people. We're furloughing people. How are we going to survive the pandemic? And, um, I believe we were proved completely wrong. Um, I I don't know about everybody else, but I know my clinic is definitely the busiest I think it has ever been. 
Um, yep. Does that sound kind of right around the world? Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and not only busier, which is then a really like, how do you read the tea leaves on that? You know, there's a pandemic going around, you know, in humans. So why is it that then suddenly vet clinics are a lot busier? It's not like our animals are getting sicker. The amount of disease that's out there is going to be the same as what it was pre-pandemic. But absolutely, I think it's just that people are noticing it more and people are spending more time with their animals. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been busy. But then added on to that, the inefficiencies that are um, inherent in trying to provide what here we in Victoria call a COVID safe work environment, um, that it makes mm. it, um, yeah, it makes it tough. So yet we're busier and yet less efficient, which is an awesome combo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause, uh, Robbie Lewis and Kat, you guys are all in general practice, right? That's right. And I think the, the rest of us are all in specialty. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. So, um, I know for specialty, I, I think it's a little bit different for us. Um, because I know I talked to my, my friends that are RNGP, um, their appointments pre COVID were like 20 to 30 minutes. (laughs) Um, whereas my specialty appointments for like a consult is an hour. And so I feel like for my situation, it's affected me, but I don't think it's affected me nearly as bad, I think, as like a general practitioner. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that. Now, my question for GP, though, is like, are you seeing more sick patients because people are noticing or are you actually still getting more like even vaccine appointments because people are home and they're remembering like, oh, you know what, like, I'm home, let's do this and let's Mm -hmm. update our vaccines and get more heart. Like, are you seeing more of the routine appointments than you think you normally would because people are also home to remember it? Perhaps more routine appointments because there's been an increase or an uptake in animal ownership. There's been a lot of people um, Mm. getting puppies and getting kittens because they will be home and able to spend the time with them. So um, what do you think, Lewis and Robbie? Uh, Look, I... Yeah, certainly getting a lot more kittens and, and people adopting new dogs, but we're sort of trying to put, well, we're, not, we're doing obviously kitten and puppy vaccines. We're trying to put off older dog vaccines a little bit, but certainly we're seeing a lot of sick animals. It's really weird, mm. like, you know, and difficult sick cases too sometimes that um, as GP, we send them off to you guys to, to deal with the special, <laughs> special guys. So Yeah, um, not just like the ear infections, but like actual like difficult yeah, diseases. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Things are changing for these animals too, because they're, if the owners are only able to go out to exercise once or twice a day, then we've got um, some dogs that are being taken out for regular walks that haven't been walked or run before. So, you know, maybe more cruciate tears and things like that. But also if people are home and feeding animals weird things all day, we're going to see more pancreatitis and more disease uh, associated with obesity and, um, you know, increased weight. So the home environment, I guess, really shifted for a lot of these animals. I think too, um, some other points that I've noticed is one, this is kind of the silly one is that people are home and they're like staring at their animals because they love them. And they're like, Oh, what are you doing? And you're like, they sleep all day. Well, you used to be at work and yes, they slept all day before. Um, but I also think the stress level I think is also affecting pets. Um, especially cats. I feel like, um, we see, you know, fluted, obviously, um, if, if there's stress in the environment that, that affects them too. So I wonder if it's also stress that's making some of our patients sicker as well. I don't know. It's, 
Yeah, I, I, I can definitely say that like in our ER, the exotics certainly follow that line as, as far as like owners being home to stare at them. Um, I mean, I feel like we're seeing more exotics for sure. Like our exotics department has been running mm. with their hair on fire for like eight months because, you know, so often as unfortunate as it is, they would just come home from work and they'd be dead. Whereas now they're home and they, and they do something about it before it gets to that point. Oh. Uh, they still come in very, very sick, but the, the percentage of exotics of our overall cases is, I mean, it's still like, you know, it's not even 10%, but whereas it used to be two or 3% to our ER, now it's like seven or eight or nine. I mean, it's two or three fold through our ER, which for a group of people who may or may not be well-trained in exotics, um, you know, again, just adds to that level of stress, 100%. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess I didn't think about that, but I imagine too, like once things do get back to normal, that it's also going to be a huge shift for our dogs and cats again. Like I know my dog has been reading my anxiety like crazy and she lays with me and she's become more anxious that I'm curious to see how these dogs do when, if they do have those owners who are home all the time. Absolutely. John. Cats are going to be so happy when everybody goes back to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cats are going to be happy, and we're currently stockpiling uh, fluoxetine at our clinic, ready for the uh, ready, ready for the uh, yeah, the, the inevitable. Yeah, it's stressed dogs. Oh, absolutely. Anxiety. We just got we got we build a shed out the back, and we just we just, we just loan it up. We're getting all this. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I wouldn't say illegal fluoxetine, but you know, it's just, just colorful, you know, no, no, um, no, it's um, like Lewis and I have been talking about it um, on our pod and uh, it is going to be horrific when people go back the amount of, um, yeah, the, the thing that worries me is the number of dogs, these COVID puppies that are picked up that are then going to be surrendered because of um you know, the anxieties and the, the lack of socialization that people haven't put in. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, people unfortunately often don't listen to us at the best of times. And then they only, they don't want to hear about behavior things that aren't going to be easily, uh, easily solved. But, you know, that's why Lewis got into behavior in the first place because he loves the easy stuff. <laughs> well, it is, a, it's an interesting paradigm because we actually don't actually know how all these animals mm. are going to behave. We've never, We've never done this before. We have no idea. So, mm. uh, you know, us vets out there, you know, trying to be a bit of a devil's advocate, us vets out there, we're all saying, oh, it's going to be terrible. How are these puppies going to be? We're going to have us home. And then suddenly we're not going to be home. It's going to be horrible. But we don't actually know. Are they just going to go, oh, you know, I mean, 20% of dogs essentially have anxiety issues anyway. So there's already that cohort there. But is it necessarily going to mean there's going to be 50% of dogs or is it a dog's going to just be really adaptable and adjustable? We just don't actually know. So it's almost like we're performing our own little social experiment, which is yeah, kind of quirky, kind of cool. Lewis, what do you think about um, new puppy owners and I guess the change to the f not being able to attend the first puppy consults? Because I know if they're coming at six to eight, 10 to 12, 14 to 16 weeks, usually those puppy consults. And then, you know, the D6 appointment, there's a lot of FaceTime with the vet where the vet's saying, oh, okay, well, if you want her to not jump up on you when you come into the room, here's how to do that. And okay, if you want her to not eat your shoes, here's how to do that. And 
I guess, doing consults, you know, as a curbside service or without the owners in the room, there's a lot of that FaceTime that the owners aren't getting. I know I've got a friend in Melbourne um, who's just got a new puppy and she's been ringing me saying, oh, we kind of just drop her off for our vaccinations and we don't know what to do. She's eating all our furniture. And I've been taking them through the puppy preschool course that I used to teach. And I've been sending them the, you know, all the documents and taking them through it. But do you think there'll be an impact with missing those face-to-face appointments? Um, look, as far as puppy behaviours that I guess what owners would call problem behaviours where it's normal behaviour for a puppy, but owners see it as a problem, that sort of stuff, I mean, majoritively over time as puppies gets older, that's actually goes away. You know, mm-hmm. they stop mouthing, they stop chewing things they shouldn't, they they get toilet trained eventually. Um, you know, it seems like it's an urgency in those first consults. And I agree with, you know, certainly the information we give certainly helps our clients. I guess my biggest concern is actually that socialization stuff mm-hmm. that, that that is a big part of puppy school um, that they're missing. And then I reckon I'm seeing, and I don't know, um, me and Robbie sort of talked about this on the podcast. I'm seeing a little bit of dogs that, they're only seeing their owners. Our puppies are only seeing mm. um, their owners. And then they're coming and seeing me. And then I'm potentially giving them something that's a little bit painful. So mm. then when I see them in four weeks' time, they remember me. It's not mm. diluted out by going to the park and seeing 50 other people or going to puppy school or coming to the clinic, having a fun time. So they see me again in four weeks' time and they're like, whoa, I remember you. It's, it's so strong in my mind. And they're mm. actually more nervous in the clinic um, than, than would be at a normal time. So, yeah, look, I, I certainly think we do give a lot of information to clients and, and they, I think that helps them a lot. Um, and there can be a real panic phase when you've got that puppy and you don't know what to do. But I reckon most of that stuff's just going to sort itself out over time. It's it's the actual stuff that's affecting uh, and potentially having behaviour problems where the puppy has got behaviour problems, not something that's just affecting the owners. Now, do you think that, like like you said, you're having these puppies come in and then they might be a little bit more nervous because there's nothing, there's no other people to kind of wash out the bad memory of coming to the vet. But what do you think vet clinics can do to try to help make that experience better? Because I know a lot of the patients that we see anxieties of patients are tend to be more anxious with their owners. So now we have a way to actually combat that. Like now we can actually get patients in the hospital awesome. away from their owners where they actually might be a little bit more comfortable, but then it's also kind of our duty to try to help them make, make them more comfortable versus constantly catering to the client. Like now we don't really need to do that because we're not having a conversation while also trying to love on this puppy. Now we can love on the puppy and do what we need to do and kind of just teach them that the whole visit's not all bad. And we're not ignoring them by talking to the client. Yeah. Look, I'm probably a little bit different. I think uh, my impression is I reckon dogs that are anxious um, in general are actually more anxious without their owners present is my feeling. Um, I reckon the owner's, um, you know, uh, um, you know, not not um, casting aspersions on other people's sort of ability to read body language, that sort of thing. But often, if you've got a dog that um, um, that uh, you know is in a consult without the owners and it seems like it's frozen and seems calm, I reckon underlying it's just shut down. Um, I, I really reckon when you've got owners there, they're a lot more uh, a lot more comfortable, a lot less anxious. Um, and as far as sort of how to go about that thing of, of, you know, um, giving injections, um, when owners aren't there and trying to make it a fun experience. I mean, I'm, I'm a classic for it. I try and do everything. I, you know, the puppy's on the floor for the first 10 minutes. I'm on the floor with it. You know, owners aren't there, but on the floor, I'm, I'm, I'm smearing peanut butter on the floor. I'm dropping treats everywhere. 
we're playing, we're doing all the fun stuff. I'm examining it, having fun. But even still, while I'm doing that, I still, when I give that needle, there are some pups that just seem to. They yeah, that's respond. insane. Um, and then I just can't get them back. The next visit, when I get them back, I just know that they've had, they've remembered that that previous experience. So I, I haven't really got a solution for us. I think we're all doing our best. Um, just be nice to have owners back. I think it's horrible to say as a vet, because for years I've been saying, would it be great if we could just be a vet and, you know, and have no owners in the clinic and just have animals. <laughs> Especially yeah. as far as nurses and technicians are concerned. I think Robbie, you were talking about the inefficiencies. And I mean, for us, we've had clients back in the clinic for a while and it was um it was such a welcome change to bring them back in because um, prior to that, and you guys might still be experiencing this, nurses and technicians were just stretched so thin because whereas they may not usually be required in the consult room to help with a patient, you know, they were having to go in every time and be helping with that puppy because the owner wasn't there. So I certainly um, can see that the strain that's, that, that has been placed on nurses and technicians in the GP setting in that sense. And I guess in a specialist setting, are they usually not without, uh, they're usually without their owners for the majority of the visit, if you're doing a workup and, and that sort of thing, or how, how do you, how do you usually experience that? Yeah, I, I think it, it, especially, well, in my clinic, I'm, I'm not sure how it is with all of them. I mean, I, I think Jordan and I agree, like um, in a specialty setting, I love <laughs> not having clients in the building. And I think, I think it also depends on how clinics are doing curbside. <laughs> um, because for us, we have the client call in as soon as they get there. And over the phone, we go over the full history um and ask all of our questions and then say okay meet us at the door and then they literally just hand off at the door whereas i'm seeing some clinics that the the techs are going out into the parking lot going into people's cars asking them questions outside and i'm like you're actually not mitigating any risk right there which is pointless if you're trying to not be exposed to it um so for me it's like i do everything on the phone, my clients are are very receptive to the conversations. Um, they're also doing it from the comfort of their car, um, and then you know the handoff is super quick, and then everything else is is in my treatment area. And you know most of that stuff, like the the physical exam, ultrasounds, lab work, and all that stuff, would have been done without a client there anyway. So I it, it is a very different experience than like general practice. Um, so for me in specialty. It, it works really well, um, so. Yeah. I'll say that I, working in anesthesia, even pre-COVID, I don't have a lot of contact directly with clients. Um, if they had a big concern, either the anesthesiologist or my, I myself might email them. So I really didn't have a lot of face-to-face -face with clients anyway. However, since COVID and since, you know, house remodel, trying to make that extra money. Um, <laughs> I've picked up some ER shifts. And let me tell you, the ER now curbside is a completely different animal than it used to be. I think we're so bottlenecked. Um, our ER wait times um, are anywhere between two and three hours. We have had people, yeah. we have like told people, you need to go somewhere else, like you're too critical. And we don't have the staff and we don't have the resources to get you where you need to go. Yeah, that's what we did to, or to get, you know, the patient, we can stabilize them. And then maybe have sometimes we've had to ship to the university near us, because we are just so inundated with patients. Um, the last 
curbside day that I did in the ER, um, I think that, again, this is just my frustration. I'm sure maybe other people are experiencing it too. We go out to the car, we triage at the car, and I don't know how many times this has happened, but the owner like, oh, I didn't bring a leash with me. I just figured you would take the dog. Okay, cool. Mm. The one dachshund I tried to, you know, I was like, all right, that's fine. He's the little dachshund. I'll just, you know, pick him up. And then she was like, oh, no, he bites. He's bite you. And I was like... <laughs> I know I have leashes. I have slip leads in my pocket because I'm like, I always use our leash and, and just let the owner keep theirs. Cause it's, I've, that's the other thing too, right? I've seen people talking about like losing patients in the parking lot because they back out of their collars. And so we just, it's always our slip leads. Um, and yeah, but I, I agree with you, our emergency department. Um, so I'm in the San Francisco Bay area and our emergency department average wait time is four hours right now um and what the hell is that is i there's a lot of emergency clinics near me um i have one a couple blocks over and Mm. they're just as busy as us um our sister hospital half an hour away same kind of thing so there's been a lot of we've actually closed down emergency a couple of times because we're like we can't accept anything else we're completely capacitated like full capacity um you know or we're we don't have enough oxygen tanks right now because we have so many patients in oxygen like you have to go somewhere else which is horrible when you've got a respiratory patient you're like sorry you gotta go somewhere else so i definitely have seen emergency is busier and i don't i think the caseload is is much more than it was previously not just you know, everything's a little bit less efficient, but I, I think the caseload is more. Um, we, I think people are staring at their animals. I think, I really think they're like, I need to get out of the house. I'm going to take my dog to the vet because I have time. Um, and maybe just is, like a hypersensitivity to symptoms and illness mm-hmm. and anxiety and medical anxiety. Yeah. What's got to be frustrating on both parts though, too, yeah. is that like, because things are curbside, like clients can't actually see that you truly are ridiculously busy. Mm. Like they see, because we're sending, like we send clients like away. We're like, it's going to take us 30, 40 minutes, go grab lunch. So like our parking lot doesn't look mm. that full and neither does our lobby because nobody's in it. And so clients are like, well, what the hell is taking you so long? And I'm like, mm, no, like we're really busy. Yeah. They, they would, they <laughs> would like that before see it right too. now because like the clients aren't here like taking up space in, in the exam isn't rooms always, or in the lobby. It's always the case, isn't it? Yeah. Even in non-COVID times, it can look so mm-hmm. quiet yeah. out the front. Yeah. And you're I just like, feel um. like with like a four hour wait time, you'd be like, that's ridiculous. Nobody's in there, but yeah. like they can't really see what's going on in the back, which is kind of frustrating. But I know I got to say there has been a few positive changes. Like we were a little inefficient at first, but I think we're getting the hang of it now. Mm-hmm. And I got to say like, client communication and client education. I feel like I get more time to do that than I used to. I don't feel as rushed because it's not like hurry up and get to the next room because my patient's already here. I've already done the history. I've already done that. Now my doctor's working it. So I'm going to go finish up Mm. with this client and go over their full discharge. And really, I don't, I feel like I get more of a connection, even though it's over the phone and they can't really see or feel like my empathy towards whatever they have going on. It is a little bit different, but I got to say that I think client communication actually has gone up, at least on my end, it seems to be. Yeah, I, I definitely have used a lot more electronic resources, which is great. And, and 
I don't get as much pushback as I used to. I feel like previously clients would push back and be like, oh, I don't want it emailed. Um, now they're, they just kind of expect it, um, which is really nice. And, and we, you know, we have handouts that we attach to our, you know, go home instructions that is like, how do you transition to a new diet? Here's all the, you know, information about the disease process. And so, yeah, I, I, I think for us, we're able to do a lot more electronically, which is nice. And clients are receptive sometimes. Yeah. And I don't read it, but I've also found that the, uh, the, the emailed email discharges, mm-hmm. I think helps us out a lot because I mean, half the time, I don't know how you guys do it in your practices, but as an ER tech, they say, can you go discharge this patient? And I go out with my discharge instructions and I hand them a copy and then I go over it with them and they don't have a chance to actually look at that before I'm talking to them. So if they get that as an email while they're waiting for me to call them to go over stuff, they can look at that and say, well, I don't understand this. What does this mean? Instead of just nodding their head yeah. and saying, okay, okay, okay. And then when they get yeah. their home, or like, losing it in the car and being about. like, well, and you never told me that. And I'm or like, lo- yeah, yeah. losing it in the car. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, yeah. I think communication has definitely increased and in just the ability to actually like, yeah. get clients to understand a little bit better seems to have gone up. Has, uh, has anybody done anything with telemedicine? Any sort of telemedicine appointments or anything like that? My clinic is experimenting with it, um, but it hasn't gone live. But I do know that they, they're working on a system to, to do that. And I think a couple of the partners have, have used it, but um, it hasn't rolled out to the rest of us yet. We've done a few like rechecks for like anxious cats or grumpy cats that it's mostly going to be the doctor talking about diets or something anyway. Um, like with our IBD patients and stuff like that, we've had several people researching into what just um, like raw diets and homemade diets for their pets, like while out on COVID, because I think they have the time. And so we've done kind of like recheck consults for that. My doctor just talking to him about what might be best in, in those situations. Gotcha. Yeah, we, we've avoided it. We've avoided it. It's, um, uh, I just think it's one of those tricky ones that, you know, once the, once it starts, how do you stop it? You mm-hmm. know? And uh, unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, you know, we, we've yeah. been in a situation where people feel like they can ring us up and talk to us anyway. And then if we reach that point, we go, well, now it's going to cost you a recheck fee. That's that makes you seem like a bit of a, bit of an a-hole, you know? So mm-hmm. um, for us, we just, we just avoided it. We didn't even worry about it. extra level of complication. Um, you know, we, it, it probably wouldn't have changed much, things that much for us. So we thought, no, nah, not, not even going to, not even going to um, stress on it. I think for GP, I can see where telemedicine, I, I don't see how it would work. You know, it's like, you, you can't really do it for puppy visits because you got to give vaccines, you know, and it's, and, and, and anytime you have to have a physical exam involved, I feel like telemedicine just really isn't the greatest option. I think for maybe mm. behavioral stuff, I can see that 100%. being a yeah. great option. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably why telemedicine hasn't taken off as much as some people had thought it might when all this started. Cause I know there was a lot of talk about it originally. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a it's not necessarily a um a profession that can uh, go well with um a, a, look of a Homer cat's tail up here and everywhere. Does its bum look weird to you? Hang on, I'm just gonna get the angle a bit right on that camera. You know, yeah, you know, it's it's yeah, 
unfortunately we're kind of a hands-on profession, aren't we? So, um, yeah. And like I say, we, we just didn't want the complication of having people having to have people ring up and say, look, it's going to cost you to talk to the vet, you know? Mm. And especially if no one else is doing it in the area, people ring around and find somewhere else. So I will say that this is not about telemedicine. I'm going to segue a little bit into the other positives. Um, I think one of the huge positive things to come out of this is that it was already a really hot job market for technicians. Right now, technicians are so in demand. The job market is crazy and like the salaries are better because you're so in demand. And I tell people all the time, like use this opportunity to negotiate the hell out of your job. You know, don't just take whatever is given to you really use your negotiation skills to make sure you're getting uniform benefits and CE benefits and adequate vacation time and all of that stuff. So I think that technicians are in a really good space right now, as far as the job hunts go. I, I, yeah, I think that's a really good idea. Agree on yeah. That. yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we've had a, like, now's the opportunity to be like, we're obviously mm, needed. Yeah. We've had in, so. in our area, we've had some clinics actually open, which blows my mind um and so there is there is a huge shift going on between clinics um especially the specialty practices um and salaries definitely is one of the things that is kind of insane right now um because especially with like emergency clinics and some of those other ones are so desperate for technicians um that they're offering crazy amounts for people. Um, and, and I, and I think too, you know, I think that's something where if you're in a practice that maybe you had thought about not working there for whatever reason, I think things have become hyper-focused as well for a lot of people. Um, and knowing what our level of capacity is, I think has been something that, um, yeah, I think that's been pushed to the forefront too. Um, I know Jordan and I have talked about it. Um, like I had to actually cut back hours cause I was so burnt out. Um, and I think it's been a really good thing for me personally. Um, because I, I wasn't able to handle the full time. Um, just I, I couldn't, I'm probably at the point where I can probably start thinking about it again, but, um, you know, so there's, there's technicians, there's less of us out there, I think too, because I think, you know, some people had to stay home and be parents. Um, (laughs) so they didn't have the option of working. Um, so I think that's also affecting job market right now too. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, it's definitely made it. So I was able to speak up and say what I need. Cause I was notorious for never saying no ever. (laughs) So I was, I was always working and I think when I took my job, I started and I was like, when my son goes to school, I'm going to go back to part-time. Well, that was last year and I didn't do that. And this year I was like, well, now I don't have the option. Like I have to go part-time. Like I have to cut my hours. I have to be home for my kids and I have to do stuff for me. Like I need me time. Despite the fact that we we're so busy, I definitely still had the guilt, but my boss was very welcoming to it. And he was like, you need to do what you need to do. Thank God. Cause I think I would have lost my mind if I was working full-time and teaching full-time and doing all the other stuff. But it's definitely made me, I think, a better, just have a better ability to kind of stick up for what I need in this career. So, 
I think this was perfect because uh, over in the States this week, it's Vet Tech Appreciation Week, isn't it, guys? Vet Nurses Appreciation is, Week. Yeah. <laughs> We're definitely, as a vet myself, massive appreciation of what you guys are doing, particularly during this COVID period. I mean, you guys, uh, you're, you're bearing the brunt of, well, from GP practice, certainly the irate clients, the clients that want to come in the clinic, that can't come in the clinic, that, uh, you know, are not happy with what they was, you know, told on the phone. Why aren't you not busy at the front? You know, how can you be busy at the back? Why is it a four hour wait? You know, um, so it's, it's, it's a good, good little um, bring in there that you, you guys, you know, massive appreciation for you guys. And it's good that they have a week dedicated to it. It's great. I was about to segue to that too, actually, Lewis, because the Friday, the 9th of October in Australia is Vet Nurse Day. And as we were all talking about how crazy busy it is, I was going to say, for me, the irony every year of Vet Nurse Day is that I try to organize something for my team. My husband and I own a practice, a GP practice, and I try to organize something for my team. And it's hard to stop Mm. at any point during the day and say, let's all have lunch. Or, you know, we organized last year, we had a masseuse come in and a couple of years before that, we had a beauty therapist come in and do manicures and pedicures. But the thing is that a couple of people always have to come in on their day off if Mm. you're going to do something like that. So this year, I feel like it's just compounded. Like, how are we going to stop for lunch? But that's the thing about Vet Nurse Day and Vet Tech Week. You do kind of have to carve out time to say, okay, you guys are worth it and we are just going to even book light for the day just so we can all sit down and have something to eat and give you guys a present and that sort of thing so for me I've been trying to organize something for the last week and chatting to my team and they're all like oh yeah massage is great but we don't want to come in we really need our day off and lunch would be good but let's keep it to 15 minutes and something that we can reheat in the microwave if we're busy so that just sucks for me every year you want to do something great but it's like when yeah we talk about doing like a team building exercise during that tech week like just over the weekend like something fun we've talked about going paintballing before and like oh go and shoot each other (laughs) yes what better way to bond with your coworkers? yeah Yeah. (laughs) 100% 100% just take out some aggression on each other. We appreciate you, but... Yeah, but I'm going to... You I'm, stole my pen, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and I know it was you, so I'm going to aim this paintball straight at your crotch. Yeah, you know, <laughs> do it again, Yeah, you know, and I'll do it again. <laughs> we do have a new one over here where it's actually... It can go and do axe throwing. I don't know if you oh, guys yes. have that. Yes. Oh, there's actually that, a place we have right behind my daughter's gymnastics I've done, place I've done that, that like, even times. sells beer because like a lot of these places are BYOB and I'm like that just sounds like super America right there <laughs> I'm gonna drink this beer and then I'm gonna throw that axe at that tree Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. You yeah, and then we're going to have a barbecue that's been cooking for six hours that's been <sighs> yeah. stewing in barbecue sauce. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> exactly. The other thing Happy that I would love week. to do is have you seen the smash rooms? Oh. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they like have old no. TVs and you just have sledgehammers. Yeah. Smash just break like, a bunch of crap. Break a bunch of stuff. Oh my like God. for vet tech, yes, I feel like Yeah. Oh, Going back to the paintballing thing, I feel like we should we should arrange a clients versus veterinary staff paintball. Oh yeah. Especially when it's like <laughs> yeah, an eight hour clients. wait <laughs> and they're all pissed off. Oh my god. No, here you go. Here's some airsoft yeah. for you, here's some for you. <laughs> There's some camouflage out there and some trees in the woods. 
We have a have four hour it. wait, but we do have a paintball <laughs> yes. smash. That's how we keep with our clients busy. <laughs> yeah. With that, Jeff, which clients are you in, uh, are you inviting there, mate? Are you inviting the All good clients <laughs> as a reward? Or are, you, are the ones that are the that bottom 10% that take up 50% of your time, are they the ones that you're specifically aiming the invitations to? I think yeah, anyone, sure. like anyone who says the words, I'm friends with the owner, like then they get an invite. Of, like they get yes. the invite. Or I know four veterinarians, and I'm like, yeah. oh really? Well, I, I don't want to see an intern. Sister-in-law's a vet, so can I get the estimate yeah. in the record? I don't want to see an intern. I want to see the away. faculty. Let's say breeder, but yeah. Yeah. Or, the, or the other one is um uh, I, I think about six or eight bricks in this place should have my name Ooh, on yeah, it for the amount of money that I've spent here. Yeah. Uh, yes. that, that's one that I like. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, a good one. We we hear a lot the oh uh, yes yeah. yes wing with my yeah. Name yeah. On it. Yep. yeah well well yeah we we do have that it's called the brachycephalic wing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my god, so <laughs> true. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very short entry into that though, you know. It's a and very very poor very poor airflow yeah. through there. It's really hard to breathe. Blue, in there. Wall. Blue walls. Very very hard to get through. Sometimes you have to squeeze through there on your side. Yeah. It's very loud. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think? Uh, at full uh, like. Overall, being technicians yourself, most of you, um, what do you guys like to receive from your management or your bosses oh, from Vet Excellent Technique? question. Let's get our pens and paper out. I will, wait, I will say that I see this on like Facebook <laughs> groups all the time. First of all, acknowledge the week. Like at least I think Kat's idea yeah. of like booking light for a day is stellar. Yeah. Like, it's just mm. like, you guys deserve a break. We're still going to work, but we're just going to like, try to take it easy yeah. today. Like, that's great. Yeah. And we try to do some social media acknowledgement as well in the week, in the lead mm. up, like on my practice page this week, we highlight one nurse every day or one um, veterinary assistant every day and just let them say, this is what I want the world to know about what I do. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. I thought massages and pedicures and, and that sort of thing were great, but until, you know, this year they've piped up and said, it's good if, if you're going to work that day, but it's not good if you're not. So my team always like things like potted plants and like mm -hmm. something physical as well. And I feel like vouchers are always good because you can spend your money on whatever you want. Wine, wine is good. <laughs> Yeah. Wine, wine. It's a good time to be investing in wine, wine pens in and coffee cups. Sure. I'm a big fan of coffee cups, coffee mugs. <laughs> like my my supervisor three four years ago gave me oh, this. Oh, that's <laughs> eight. Yes. See how worn it is. I got some of those. And I drink my cup every single day. I use. Yeah, I got some. That's my coffee cup. I got some good coffee mugs um, with like our logo on it, and then the, all of my staff's names and like RBT on the other side of it. So that oh, we did yeah, that yeah. two years ago, and I filled yeah. them with pens and sharpies and highlighters oh, yeah. i think one thing and candy. one thing i really liked yeah. was i got uh one year i got a really good pair of bandage scissors mm. yeah oh, it's yep. the little things it is it, <laughs> it's, it's it's, it's a, well yeah yeah now, then now lose, then they're like they're clipped to me so they don't go you anywhere, lost it like the next week but uh it's it's the the stuff that i can use i guess <clears throat> i mean um i'm gonna you, throw this I, out I, there because why not? If if my company were to give me like a paid day off that I could use whenever I wanted, I would be like, that is the best vet tech present yeah. ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like yeah. a bonus yeah. day yeah. off. Just be like, bonus day off, cool. Yeah, we, we do we do bonus days on the academic calendar, like if mm. uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, New Year's Day is the holiday, but 
if New Year's Eve, say, falls on a Friday or something like that, it's a bonus day. And, and it, it is if you work that day, if that's in your normal scheduled day, then you just get an extra day of PTO you can take whenever. Oh, that's and smart. Yeah. So it, 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 it is really nice yeah. to cash that in whenever something good comes up. Yeah. Uh, I think another thing too that would be brilliant of all of us to do, um, veterinary technicians, nurses, doctors, is um, I think client education on what we do so that yeah. they can better appreciate what we do in our clinics mm. too. Yeah. Which is really easy yeah. with social yeah, media sure. in this day and age. Um, and, and I, and I usually get either the vets or the nurses to write the content that goes with each nurse. So last year we had, um, the vets write something about each nurse. Whereas this year I gave them a couple of questions and had them, you know, address what's the biggest public misconception about what we do or what should the world know about what we do. So you really can sort of, um, address your clients. And, and last year, because we did one nurse every day, by the time vet nurse day rolled around, we had clients delivering cupcakes and chocolates and flowers because they knew it was coming. Or even just do like a survey of like, ask your social media fans of, of whatever hospital you work Mm. for, what do you think a technician does and get the feedback from that. And then you can go from there and say, well, yeah, we hold the animals, but we do 85 million other things right. on top of that and, and, and giving that giving that opportunity to, yeah. to yeah. teach clients about what we actually I do. I love that. And then um, I'm going to segue a little bit to our, what are you guys doing as the podcasts? Are you guys doing anything fun with your podcasts for Vet Tech Appreciation Week or Vet Nurse Day or anybody doing anything? We're going to be posting a lot of social media stuff. Um, I think every single day we're going to have something um, dedicated to that. Um, we haven't really hashed out exactly what we're going to do. We're, we'll probably have to talk <laughs> this about week. that at some it's point. This week away. This <laughs> week. Yeah, sometime this week. Yeah. yeah. I, I know. Look, Don't worry, I'm, Yvonne and I have done that too. We're like, yeah, we got all this stuff coming up. <laughs> I know Lewis has been working on a particularly um, in-depth uh, interpretive dance. Um, nice, nice. Helped celebrate. Oh. He's, he's been he's been he's been hand sewing on the sequins as well. So it's uh, look at look out for that in the social media feed. It's going to be awesome. Well, unfortunately, I'll share it. <laughs> unfortunately, it doesn't go well on a podcast, so I won't be showing it today. Oh. No. <laughs> Oh, actually doing it right now. <laughs> um, just under the desk, though. It's sort of all, all waist down. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Quite Scottish. Um, so Jordan and I, because, of, well, Jordan and I plus Dave and Jeff, like it's our one-year anniversary for Vet Tech Appreciation Week. We launched the podcast. So I know Jordan and I are doing... <laughs> we've got we've got, we got raffles we've got raffles we've That's got awesome. some which i'm a little jealous Ooh. because i don't get any like i can't win any of the stuff it's <laughs> true i'm like this is really good stuff so we'll um we'll put the link for the raffle for everybody that listens to this podcast um for that as well but um we have the raffles we have some continuing education that we're doing this week uh one just with our podcast and then one with uh, royal canaan which is really cool um and then We've got, obviously, this is the bonus episode, which is super fun. Um, do we have anything, do we have anything else planned for this week? I can't remember. 
I mean, we probably do, I know. but I don't remember right. what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm curious. It's been a little. I'm hectic. curious for uh, you guys down in Australia. What what is the the national or the the country perception of vet nurses down there? Is it mm. do do a lot of of Australians know what vet nurses are and what they do, or is it a pretty big disconnect down there? Cat, cat, give us your interpretation first. Okay, I think that. Um, it- it's both ends of the spectrum. I think at one end of the spectrum, (laughs) you have people who overestimate perhaps um, the level of training that's, that goes into the qualification. Um, And they might also assume that everybody in the veterinary clinic who's called a veterinary nurse is qualified, which is not the case. Um, So sometimes they might be thinking that we're, that, you know, somebody in front of them is similar to a human registered veterinary nurse when they're not even a qualified veterinary nurse, um, or maybe they're qualified, but hasn't, haven't done any CPD for 10 years and they're not a registered veterinary nurse. But then at the other end of the spectrum, you have people who, whether they're qualified, registered or not, they have a lot of knowledge and they have a lot of amazing skills and experience. And yet they are confronted by a client who says, can I please speak to the vet? Um, and doesn't want to talk to them and really underestimates what they can do. So I think it's, it's at gotcha. all ends of the spectrum. And I really. think a lot of it comes down to, to respect as well. You know, like uh, you, if you're someone who just respects people and respects that everyone's got a job to do, then you're going to look at it and go, Oh, wow. Well, mm-hmm. You know, whether you're a vet nurse or, you know, you're stacking shelves or something, you're someone who respects it. Unfortunately, some people look at it and doesn't matter how much you try and convince them. You know, they even, they even think that vets are, are you know, aren't worth it either. You know, they just go, Oh no, it's all just a waste of money. And you know, you're no good. And you know, so it's, it's one of those mm. tough ones where, the people that, you know, you're going to have some people that you're never going to convince and you can't worry about those people right. because they're going to be, they're, they're going to be pains mm. in the bum no matter what. Um, I think there is a perception particularly in, because we don't have, I guess, you know, there's the, the, the TAFEs that do um, like the vocational education training to get your, um, your vet nurse degree, you know, or, or uh, certificates. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. The cert for mm. that's the, yeah, um, yeah. Now yeah. the interesting thing is now we've got the um with uh, well certainly at Melbourne Uni they've got the the undergraduate degree or what is it the um the, the uh, undergraduate version of it I know the DVM is the is the graduate one Bachelor of Bachelor Veterinary of, vet, yeah Bachelor or of Veterinary, veterinary st- something but it's um so so I'm. Okay. I, I, I've been out of uni for way too long so I, yeah I don't know they they keep changing the media yeah, all the letters change but it doesn't matter um. And I thought, oh, that might be a pathway of where they're looking to try and get people into being vet techs rather than vet nurses, you know, something where you actually hold an undergraduate degree, but it hasn't really happened that way. Mm. So I guess the hard thing is you might go to a vet clinic and there's someone that's worked there for 35 years and has never done any certificate, but they know exactly what they're doing and they know all the information because mm. they've heard the vet talk about it for 30 mm. years um, compared to someone mm. who's gone and done their cert for so, yeah, I, I guess in Australia, to answer your question, Jeff, it's really, you know, it's kind of quite nebulous. You know, I think that they're all bunched in in the one, in the one thing, as Kat was saying. Mm. But the people who are, who are going to respect them are going to respect them no matter what they say because they think they're getting good information from them. People that aren't, you're never going to convince. Yeah. Mm. I think clinics can do something about getting that respect for their team, though, because it is a top-down thing. If you have a vet 
who comes out to the out of the consult room with the client and says, now I'm going to hand you over to Sarah, who is actually a qualified veterinary nurse. And she's going to take you through the prescription diet that we discussed in the consult room. If you have any questions, you can ring her. She knows everything that there is to know about this. And that client's going to respect that veterinary nurse. Whereas if there's not that proper handoff and that respect, similarly, just with the smoke and mirrors, things like having decent uniforms. You know, I've seen practices where there's not a good website and nurses aren't bought uniforms and they just yeah. wear like the free scrub top that mm. came from the reps, you know, visit or, and, you know, pants from home. And um, so I think that there is a lot you can do to really present your team and say, um, you know, these are people who yeah, should I think be respected. It, I, think, I don't know Absolutely. how much you guys know sort of about our system. Robbie touched on a little bit there, but uh, certainly with vet techs, I think, you know, it's a more uh, defined pathway sure in a way. Is. So, um, <laughs> you know, and when you come out of it, you guys um, are almost sort of uh, paramedical in that, you know, you do, you put the catheters in, you might anesthetize the animals, you, you know, you probably do yes. you know, 80% of the procedures and the vet we just comes do. in and oversees it. Whereas in Australia, you know, you can pull off um, someone who's, who's still in high school and, and put them mm -hmm. at the reception of your vet clinic and, they perceived as, as their vet nurse, you know, so um, right up to, like Robbie said, you know, the 35 year old person, um, 35 year old experienced nurse who's, who's been in your clinic for years. Um, so there's no, it's sort of difficult in that, you know, um, there's no defined sort of pathway um, that says. I, yeah. I, was say, title. I, I don't know if that is actually, um, I think it's exactly the same in the United States. Um, yeah, to be honest, right. yeah. Yeah, um, because there are the same thing. You have technicians or tech assistants, technically, right? Um, tech assistants who have been in the clinic for 35 years are, you know, the top of their game, but they've never gone to school. And then you have others that have gotten their associate's degree. They are licensed in the state. Um, and then there are states in the United States that don't even have a licensure. So you know, it, it is, I think it's, I think it's very much the same as you guys. Um, and I think it also, there are clinics where the perception is, it doesn't matter if you have a license or not, um, you're treated the same. And then there's clinics that very much uphold, you know, the law, which is only a licensed registered uh, certified technician is allowed to do these procedures. So I think, um, you know, I've been doing this for over 18 years and I think there's a huge difference from when I first started. Um, but I think we still have a long way to go. Um, and I think that tech appreciation week is one of those things where, um, not only do we appreciate our technicians, right. We also try to educate, um, clients and us, um, as far as like what we can do with our degrees and, and the benefits of having it. And so I think, I think it's not just a Australia problem or yeah. United States. It sounds like it's the same all over. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, last time we, we chatted, um, I, I know I'm some bring back to COVID again. I think we, one of my questions I think I ask is uh, certainly in America, it was a lot more prevalent than in Australia. Um, and oh, it still is, it still is. Yeah, of course. Sorry. And um I guess I, I did ask a question. Does anyone know of anyone who's been affected um, as far as veterinary vet techs by COVID? Um, clinic shutdowns and things sort like of that. Yeah. I had it. Well, yeah. And I'm um, just, yeah, just backing up. So sorry. Wow. <laughs> um, 
at that time, everyone said we didn't know <laughs> right. anybody. Yeah. Um, and we all thought, wow, aren't we really good? Isn't our, you know, hygiene really good? Aren't we amazing? Uh, but Jeff, wow. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I was the first right, one. Right. So uh, our clinic was the first, I think, out of all of us, because we talked about it at some point. Um, we had, I think, six people in my hospital test positive. Wow. Um, and we, we did do a shutdown there were two days that we were shut down because there was like two waves, but we think they were kind of together. And it was right in the very beginning. Um, and we shut down the hospital. We did a deep clean. And then um, it was up to everybody, you know, whether or not they wanted to come back in or if they wanted to self-isolate at that time. Because um, our, our business was working very closely with the CDC as far as like what, you know, what precautions and things do we need to take. Um, since then, we actually haven't had anybody else test positive in my specific clinic. We have had people in our sister hospitals, which are, you know, within an hour of us, all of them that have tested positive. But um, the good thing is, with all of our precautions in place, it was like one person instead of like the entire department kind of thing. Um, so we definitely have been affected. And, and so I know for my clinic, um, I believe the plan is to still be kind of where we're at with lockdown until after the first of the year. I don't oh. think there's a specific date of letting anybody in and, wow. and relaxing things, but um, yeah, that was, that was early on. So. Yeah. <laughs> I was exposed, but I tested negative and I never had symptoms. Jeff, you said you yeah. tested yeah, positive. I had it uh, early July, late June, early July. Um, I actually came home from work one night cause I, uh, I actually just thought it was like allergies and hay fever. I was really run down and uh, just had like a like a scratchy throat and like a little bit of a cough. And I texted my supervisor and I said, if this was any other year, I wouldn't even bother you. But I feel like I need to be responsible and have you tell me what you want me to do. And so she sent me home. I got a test the next day, which was on a Thursday. And I actually didn't get those results until eight days later on a Friday. Um, oh, wow. and I still hadn't gotten results yet. And thankfully, um, my, my, my work Tufts was very proactive and they were, you know, they never second guess anything. They just said, stay away until you have a result or whatever. So eight days later on a Friday, I still didn't have results. And my wife found a, uh, a clinic here nearby that was doing the rapid tests. Uh, so we both went on that Friday morning, um, and we got results within 15 minutes and I was positive then she was negative. And then that afternoon I got my results from my test eight days prior that was also positive. Um, so I got two positive wow. tests in the same day, though they were taken eight days apart. Um, and wow. we had our, right when I had symptoms, um, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law had stayed with us a couple of days. They both tested positive as well. Um, they both, none of the three of us is like, as far as symptoms go, you know, anywhere you go, you know, if you travel or whatever, the big thing, right. Is always temperature. N even though I had chills, none of the three of us ever had fevers. Um, we were checking, like I was checking, that was actually why I waited till the evening time to talk to my supervisor. Cause I was checking my temperature every hour at work and it was normal every time. None of the three of us ever had fevers. They both lost a uh, sense of smell and taste for like, I don't know, two weeks or so. Um, and I just had chills and like, I was fatigued. That was the big thing. And that lasted maybe three to five days. 
and then I was, was largely okay, but I was out of work for like two weeks. And now I think there's been one other, I don't know who it was, but I think there's been one other person that's tested positive at Tufts, but we actually have testing on site, uh, two days a week. Um, so we go into like the large animal area, we swab our own noses and we get results the next day. So now we're all tested like two days a week. Um, and thankfully I've been negative since, but yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's interesting. Um, in Melbourne, there's a, um, so yeah, we've, we've just gone through this stage four lockdown where you're not supposed to go five kilometers away and you're only allowed out for an hour and you know, you're not allowed to see anyone. The kids haven't been to school for ages. Um, and yet I, I haven't heard of a single clinic in Melbourne where someone has tested positive and where the clinic has had to shut down for a deep clean, you know? Um, and I know that there, Oh, oh, and look at, I know that there are clinics that have still got clients going in. I know, I know clinics where they've still had full families going in too, right. You know, as, as well as clinics that are doing the still now doing the team A, team B approach, you know? So I was talking about it with my practice manager that, you know, it's one of those things where anything works until it doesn't work. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's, absolutely. It's whatever you, whatever you try and do and that's always fine until it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I will say, I think for, for me, like, you know, to be oh. very honest, it like, I, I, I hate to spin it lightly, but it was, I had very, very mild symptoms. I, I was very fortunate, but it's like that, that period of unknown. Like I've, I've also had shingles and I feel like there was a period of time in history where, yeah. you know, people got chicken pox, but they didn't know that third, you know, some length of time later, they were going to have sh a, a reemergence of the pox virus and actually have shingles until decades had passed and people started having it. And they, they finally connected the dots. And I know there's been, you know, reports of some athletes that have had, um, you know, cardiac changes and, um, different things. So I actually have a cardiac MRI scheduled. Uh, so this is Saturday on Tuesday, um, to have that checked out. Cause I already have preexisting heart disease, but, um, you know, that, that just kind of like unknown as far as like wherever it is down the road is, does that manifest into anything else? Like it's a virus. It's going to be in you until the end of time, just like anything else, any other virus. So who knows what it's going to re-manifest itself as or, or what. Wow. Uh, did you take any of, um, any of Donald Trump's, uh, treatment advice? Here, Jeff? Like, um, <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I did, I did not. I, uh, I stuck I did not do any bleach or Windex or uh, what is it? Hydroxyquinolone. Is that right? Hydroxychloroquine. Yes. Uh, no, I, I, I did the standard. Uh, oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> just sit just, at home and rest and yeah. uh, you know, net, net, Netflix is mm. Yeah, for sure. And Netflix is um, and, yeah. and, and a glass of scotch for a sore throat. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I've discussed yeah. with another veterinary technician friend is and actually another veterinary nurse friend is the importance of everyone continuing to take annual leave during this time. I know in, in Melbourne, that would seem crazy to you guys because you haven't been able to go anywhere, but um, you know, we we're worried about the mental health effect of people not taking time off and people being worked and worked and worked. And, and I mean, we're not even able to travel for conferences for most of us. We'd at least get on a plane and go somewhere for a conference once a year. So I'm certainly encouraging my team to keep on thinking about taking leave. 
Mm-hmm. You've got to do that from a business point of view as oh, well, yeah. from a, a liability of annual mm-hmm. leave too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to, to put the, the, the business owner hat on, yeah, you've got to make sure people are still taking their annual leave. Otherwise, you know, for, after 12 months. Yeah. So that's something that we've been um, looking into as well. Or, or, yeah. Well, I've, um, I'm just at the end of two weeks of, of annual leave. And, uh, and as far as mental health goes, I've been at home <laughs> with my family and not been able oh. to go anywhere at all. <laughs> Um, so I'm not sure that I'm sure it's nice to have a break and, uh, but it'd be nice to go back to work as well. Yeah. I'm also finishing up a week long vacation, but we're able to go places unlike you guys. So, um, which is nice because with homeschool, we just up and went to Florida to visit my family. So it was, that was, that was nice, a mental break from work and kind of school and being locked in the house because it is very much work home and only do schoolwork and home and work all in one place. And it's very, yeah. it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's just yeah. work yeah. all the time. Yeah. I feel like, um, yes. You know, I told my husband that I just like almost like broke down, like in target. And I was like, I, I just want mm-hmm. a break. I want one day where I don't have a job, whether that be today's job is being a third grade teacher, tomorrow's job is going to be in the clinic. And then, you know, as you guys probably yeah. know, you have like a side job. And I mean, frankly, I think it's amazing that you're still churning out like a consistent podcast because I feel like I am just treading water a lot of the time, like between trying to be in the clinic full time and trying to make sure Oliver gets his schoolwork done and he gets mm. the back, get basketball practice on time. And, you know, oh my gosh, we have to do art now. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I feel like... I know dads are doing it tough too, but I heard on the radio yesterday that they think that the pandemic and the lockdowns will have, you know, set us back decades as far as um, feminist kind of um, improvements of, you know, day-to-day life for women, because for people who are working from home, which I guess isn't really our industry, but usually if you're at work, there is a time of day when if someone wants to know where do we keep this in the cupboard or um, have we got any more of this, then they have to go find, you know, the other parent or another person or the sitter or whoever it is. But if you're, if you're the mom and you're at home working, then you can always be found and someone can always come to you and say, how does this work? Oh, Where do yeah. we keep this? I want a sandwich. 100%. I mean, my husband tries to be super helpful, but I was at work one day and he was home with the kids doing schoolwork and my daughter was still calling and texting me being like, I need help with the Wi-Fi," And I, you know, I need this. And yeah. I'm like, your dad is like across from you. So then I called my husband <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? And he, he was like, I told her to wait a minute. Like, it was, you know, but it's like, it's still that need for mom. And even when I get home, like, my kids will very much be like, well, I had a really hard time with this assignment. So I'm, I just, I'm going to wait till you get home from work and we'll do it tonight. And like, I have a quiz, so we're going to do that tonight. But you know, then my daughter has to go to gymnastics. My son has to go to soccer and then we got to take yeah. showers and we got to get up and go to work in the morning. It, and like, it, it's it is a lot. exhausting. And you've just worked 10 or 12 hours. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's all, it's constant, like every other day, like, well, I needed help with this assignment. And, and like I said, my husband definitely tries, but the kids are very, drawn to mom and it's it's very much a mom job yeah. somehow i like to play this game where i tell myself that i'm going to finish this powerpoint while i'm sitting next to oliver and he's doing his uh, third grade stuff and uh it, it hasn't happened yet but every the, time i'm like yep i'm gonna sit time. next to you and i'm gonna drink this is it i'm gonna finish this powerpoint <laughs> so hopefully the people at vmx uh, are understanding that <laughs> 
nothing is gonna yeah. done. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you accidentally have some like third grade math yeah. problems and then you're like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you every single one watching that is gonna totally understand. 100%, like there's no way. I'm trying to teach my fourth yeah. grader division and I was like, I don't remember how to do it like this uh, on a paper. Like I, it's, it's, yeah. it's tough. It's a calculator out. Yeah. Well, that's it. But my my sixth grader, she uh she we were doing maths one day, and I was doing a problem with her. It was really I was like I, don't, I really don't know how to bring down that fraction fraction into a uh, into a decimal. I think it was, and I went to work, and then you know smarter minds at maths at work, and we all went through it, and we couldn't do it. And then eventually, eventually, we emailed the teacher, and they and they said, oh, no, you just get a calculator out. It went. Oh. oh, you think you have to do everything on paper? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Like we're learning about nice. electricity conducting, and my daughter's like, well, what? this material is that a conductor and insulator and i'm like let's find out let's stick uh... it in the powerpoint and see <laughs> yeah, 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 stand, yeah. I'm just like, stands up yeah it's yeah. a conductor doesn't yeah, yeah exactly. little, I'm like, little, yep. alexa is plastic a conductor or an insulator and it's <laughs> just <laughs> well oliver is gonna end third grade like really really knowing his drug classes and his pain pathways because that's the only thing i really am capable of teaching Hey, if if the math that he's yeah, learning is much. medical math, yeah, more power I mean, to him. That's yeah, medical ma yeah. that math is yeah. math we're all going to use someday, right? For sure. 100%. For sure. 100%. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So. Well, I think, uh, I, speaking of like Oliver and kids and things, yes. I think some kids probably need to get to bed soon because we're recording yep. this late in the States or early in Australia. Um, so I guess let's just round it out with. Um, I guess one thing you'd like to accomplish this next year, whether that's as your podcast. Yeah, let's go with podcast. Um, one thing you'd like to accomplish this next year as with your podcast or your podcasty related things. Cause I know there's, there's layers to that for a lot of people. Um, and uh, we'll uh, head out cause you know, yeah. We can talk about yeah. silly things for, forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lewis and I, uh, I've seen Lewis stuff. and I were hoping to uh, uh, do a do an OB for our uh, for our hundredth hundredth um, episode, but because the uh, of COVID happening, that sort of coincided exactly with when hundred was. So we went ninety nine, then ninety nine and a half, then one hundred one. So at some stage, we've got to still record number one hundred. Now we're up to one hundred twenty nine. So you know, it's off in the distant memory. So actually being wow. able to. Uh, stand face to face and um you know make faces at lewis in the same room that that's probably the podcast goal that i reckon we'd have this year <laughs> i mean that sounds like a good goal something achievable yvonne yeah. that's what we're going in for <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right i'll go next I want to get on a plane, go somewhere and record a live podcast, which I was meant to do at the beginning of this year. I was meant to go to the UQ um, conference and record a live podcast as part of that conference with two guests from the States, actually. And I was really looking forward to it. And I had somebody lined up to record the live sound. And for me, that would be a challenge because obviously um, you're in front of an audience and you can't be sort of editing things out. And, um, and it would just be that added level of um, interviewing skills. So for me, that was the next challenge I wanted to do. And thank you, COVID. I could not get on that plane. <laughs> First world problems. But for me, that's, that's what I'd like to do. And, and, you know, within that is my wish that we can all start to get on planes and travel again because there's some kind of vaccine or some sort of development, obviously, with the virus. 
I wholeheartedly think that's an amazing thing. And uh, Jordan and I agree with you because that was also one of our goals this year. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what that we were supposed to do happen. at ACVAM. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Tasha? I mean, um, man, yeah, I just... <laughs> Yeah, I just need to put some out. I mean, it's a it's kind of a one woman show. Although um, my husband is my um, editor, so he's the one who you know I'm like, hey, we could edit this episode, <laughs> um, which he is. You know, he doesn't get paid for it all, and he's like, how did I get roped into this? And I was like, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's what husbands are for. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think I just need to put out more episodes. Um, but again, in the interest of 2020 COVID craziness going on in the United States. And uh, just like right now, honestly, I don't have the bandwidth to like put anything else, put my energy into anything else. I just don't. And um, I want to be as ambitious as you guys. Uh, I'm just not there yet. Um, So hopefully I'm going to get a couple episodes in before the end of the year. Yeah. Okay, first of all, girl, like you are rocking with whatever you are doing as it is. So <laughs> you don't have to add to your bandwidth. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you don't For have to sure. worry about that. Be you proud of everything, everything you've accomplished. <laughs> right thing to yeah. acknowledge as well. Keep going. <laughs> all right, Jeff and Dave. Dave? Uh well. I've been working for the last, I don't know how long it's been, week, week and a half on actually getting a website started. Um, so we've been working on that. Um, we also did want to do a live episode at mm-hmm. IVEX, but that did not happen. Right. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to do that next year. Like, I would love yeah. to do that next year. But yeah, hopefully. We'll see yeah. what happens. That's that's kind of where we're yeah. at. Jeff, you get the banjo out yeah. too with your OB. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> 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 ding, 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 ding. The website game is fun, isn't it? Uh, it's, I mean, <laughs> We talked to somebody and they said, oh, you could just do it through Squarespace or, or GoDaddy or, or Wix. They're all super easy now. And it's, it's not that easy. It's, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot involved. And I'm, I'm now actually a week and a half into it. I'm, I'm starting to get the hang of it, but yeah, I keep finding new things to add and, and new things that I can add on to it. So yeah, hopefully and, soon. And new things that break the things that you yeah, added. Exactly. Fun. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's my favorite. Yeah. 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 All that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I th- I think uh, I I want to just throw out there too. Like one thing that we've really wanted to do with ours is, like, and it takes sponsorship dollars to do it. But um, you know, ultimately, we would like to sponsor technicians to take their board exam wow. or go to you know a conference oh, to pay for them to go yeah. you know take their specialty certification exam or whatever it may be. And and you know, we've kind of piecemealed some things together, but hopefully, um, you know, like. As far as sponsorship, like we're not looking like none of us, we're not making making money doing this. But like that's the one thing I think we really want to do is if we can bring sponsorship into the fold is is to do those kinds of things. So hopefully in 2021, uh, maybe that'll be a little bit more in the cards. We have a couple things in the that's works, awesome. but not, not yeah. nothing concrete yeah. yet. Yeah. Oh my god, that's, that's great. great. That's an amazing way for you guys to give back to. That's really really cool. Yeah. 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 How about you? How about you, ladies? With uh, I am. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, the next year, let's see. So we launched our membership site. I don't know. How long has it been now? Two months? maybe. Oh, no, no, no. It's only been like a month since full <laughs> launch. <laughs> oh, it seems longer than that. Cause I'm the one that's working on the website. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so we're gonna, you know, keep working on the membership site, which which includes like the continuing education that's race approved. Um, we would love to do interviews in person at conferences. Mm -hmm. We planned that as well for yeah. ACVM. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of the sponsorship, though. Mm. That Jordan and I may have to talk about that. That's an amazing <laughs> idea. Um, because yeah, I think you know, helping give um our community really because it's all of us right we share our community um giving them something to get a leg up and uh you know do more than they thought was possible i think is a big thing that yeah um i, I know jordan and i that's our our big thing is to make everybody be rock star technicians <laughs> so yeah. cool all right. All right. Well, um, so this was Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast, Vet Tech Cafe, uh, Radio Vet Nurse, Two Vets Talk Pets, and the Anesthesia Nerds podcast. It's all of us. And uh, we're just dorky veterinary people yeah. that like talking. <laughs> so thanks for listening thanks, to gang. all of us. Yeah. And uh, anybody else got anything else we need to add at the end of this one? Happy Vet yes, Day. Absolutely. Happy Vet Tech Week. <laughs> happy Vet Tech Week. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. Can't believe you're the oh, big yeah. Friday. Happy Friday. Congratulations, birthday. mate. It's amazing. Well done. I know. I'm not feel <laughs> I, I feel so young, too. Look at day over 50, mate. It's good. Thanks, man. Thank you. That's good. It's because my moisturizer. It's that you can put me on to, Lewis. It's fantastic. Well, thanks, you guys. It was super fun hanging out with you. And, uh, you know, we'll put links in every place possible for all the podcasts. Um, have a wonderful week. Yay. Absolutely. Thanks everybody for listening. Bye everybody. Bye. Scratch Bye. you later. Thanks for listening to Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast. To help us make more free episodes, subscribe and leave a review. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Radio Vet Nurse or drop in at radiovetnurse.com.